Welcome to Success Beneath the Surface, hosted by Deborah Fell, Managing Partner at Chief Outsiders. Deborah provides insights specifically for CEOs from growth-oriented companies. Welcome, Nancy. It's so great to see you today. And thank, thank you, you Deborah. It's good to be here. Yeah, thank you for joining me on this episode. I've been excited to speak with you because you are running a long-term enduring business that you founded, what, 20 years ago? Do, am I close? 21. 21 yeah. years ago. Oh my gosh, you've fully come of age uh, in this world. But that is uh, really a, an amazing run just so far. So I'd love to hear more about you and how you got from where you were whenever you started this journey and where you are today. So yeah, I like to say that I started it when I was 12 because I don't want people doing the math <laughs> on how old I might be having it going for 21 years. Trust me, it works in your favor. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're kind. You're kind. You know, it was very much an emergent strategy, not a strategy that I had really at the outset, which I actually think is very much a blessing in starting a business because it's less pressure when you don't necessarily have this huge dream and vision that I'm going to be a business owner and it's going to be a business that's going to last, you know, X number of years. It happened by happenstance initially in that I was moving from the Chicago area to the DC area, which was very much a, a family decision. It was not career driven for me. And for a time, I continued to commute with my old employer in Chicago, which was a very unusual thing to do at the time. Indeed. So I was flying back and forth weekly. That was not necessarily a long-term sustainable thing for me. I had small children. 9-11 happened. Yeah. You know, I was on a plane that morning. Flying wow. got really, really difficult during that time. And, and that was like an impetus to say, okay, so what are you going to do instead? And so I took on some project work and I really enjoyed it. And it was drafting off of the skills that I had developed at the large ad agency that I had worked at. I, I'd worked in research and strategy and planning and business development and client service was kind of my you know combination of things. And all of those things lent themselves to being able to manage clients directly and sort through their needs and help them create a problem solve. So it was probably a good two years into just doing project work where, frankly, I thought this is just an in the meantime thing that I'm doing, and then I'm going to go get a real proper job. Mm -hmm. And about two years in, I realized, you know, what I'm doing is actually what I want to be doing. That was when I decided to really do it properly. <laughs> I mean, that's really an amazing story because you sort of were parking your resume in your own company. Yes. And and then realizing, hey, wait a minute, I'm, I'm not really a job seeker. I'm a job creator. Yes. And I'm glad that you mentioned that aspect because I was recently asked, why do you do it? You know, but seriously, why? You know, it was yes. a really pointed question. And the first thing that came to my mind was job creation. I feel very proud and good about being able to provide that impact for people that, you know, I'm able to provide jobs. And I like to think, because we work very hard at it, 
I provide jobs in an atmosphere that has a really strong and positive culture because we work on our culture all the time. We take our values very seriously. And so people make a commitment to how they're going to show up for one another and how people are going to behave. And that's just the bedrock upon Mm -hmm. which Noetic has been built. So it's not just a job, but I think a job that's very meaningful to the people who become members of the team. And, And that's really the number one thing that gives me the most joy in what I do. That is amazing. And, and you know, there, there's another CEO in the area. Her name is Amy Bielski. I don't know if you know Amy. She founded a, and runs a company called, called Ripple Effect. Her story is that she always thought there was a better way to do it when she was an employee and she would make suggestions and maybe something would happen, maybe it wouldn't. So it wasn't like she got mad and went away. She just got determined and started a company specifically so she could create the culture, the environment, and create the jobs in a way that she thought was a better way. And she did that. And she's, you know, umpty ump years into her CEO journey as well. So it's it's amazing to hear you share a different story and a different nuance of it. But this notion of going from job seeker to job creator and then saying, wow, I love this part because we can create the values, the mission, the processes around people, uh, which I've got to believe makes a better experience for your clients. Yes, I think so. I think, you know, like anything, if you're working with people who are happy to be there, that Mm -hmm. it makes for a more positive experience. And one of our values is dynamic positivity. And the meaning of that is to bring positivity to each other and to our clients, not in a Pollyanna way, but in a roll up your sleeves, be a creative problem solver and be, Mm -hmm. you know, in it together and in it with them to get Mm -hmm. to, you know, better outcomes and believe that better outcomes can be had. And so I think that's a bright spot for clients as well. Oftentimes when they're coming with their problems, we're able to look them in the eye and say completely authentically, we are seeing this issue in other places. You're not alone in struggling with this. This is a key factor right now. And and people get a lot of peace of mind from that and knowing that, you know, there can be a path, which makes me want to share that the second reason that I so pleased to do what I do is that we can shape it in such a way that we know that the impact is happening. So, you know, sometimes in the space, you know, our core services are market research, brand, and then we have the people side of the business. We like to say we strengthen brands and the people who build the brands. So on the people side, we have training and coaching. So we bring that conceptual, but we also bring really practical ways to get whatever that change is embedded into the organization. And that's really important because when companies make the investment, I can have that peace of mind that we're going to do all we can to help you realize that investment, which can be a very murky thing in the space that we work. How do I know that my rebrand is taking effect? How do I know that my research insights are driving through to getting better business answers? How do I know that the newfound collaboration and teaming and cohesion in my team that we got through the training experience we had with Mm -hmm. Noetic is taking root? Like 
these are very nuanced things. And so we work at the practical level to really ensure that people are pulling it through and, and seeing those behavioral and business results changes. I get to keep the focus on that right? By, by virtue of the services we offer and how we go about offering them. So that makes me also, it fuels me in the work we do. What you've really done in a, in a marvelous way is speak to your service and even more importantly, to the outcomes that you seek yes. to generate. Well said. And, and on an outcome basis, the, the brand refresh to grow the business um, the alignment within the team to grow the business. But it, speak a little bit more uh, about the services just to ground us that sure. you provide and the outcomes. And then we've got to get to the obvious question around noetic, which yeah. I know is the full word uh, behind yeah. you. Yeah, in my background, right. You're seeing the uh, OE tick there. <laughs> Wait, yeah. There's I an ad. Yeah, there it is. Yeah, and the butterfly. But Noetic, you're sort of the, you're the glamour shot here. You're, you're the important one. <laughs> so Noetic is a word in the dictionary that I think a lot of people don't necessarily know. Rhymes with poetic, so that's how it sounds, Noetic. Yes, yes. And literally, when I was starting the firm, I opened up the Merriam-Webster. And it was this big, fat, old book, you know, and I opened it to the tab, the N tab, mm-hmm. Um thinking about what do I want to name this company? And I picked N because my name starts with N. I like N. And (laughs) I wanted a a word or a phrase that was going to be simple, but distinct. One of the things that struck me as I was looking at other organizations who were doing what we were doing, they had kind of generic names like- yes you know, marketing strategy solutions or, you know, things that seem very forgettable. And I thought, well, if we're in the business of creating brand distinction, I shouldn't have a forgettable vanilla name. So I happened upon the word pretty quickly and noetic means to think or to know or to offer insight. And that really is the crux of what I feel we do that helps people get, let's say, unstuck from whatever you know issue that they're having in our space. And so you could say, you know, sometimes if somebody said something very beautifully, you could say how poetic, and people sometimes say that. If somebody said something very insightful or wise, you could say how noetic. Nobody says that, but they could. So that was where it was born from. And I liked that idea of it just being that easy to say and um, and conveying a thought behind it. And then I'll also share the butterfly is our kind of mascot. And the butterfly has a lot of meaning in my life personally and professionally because butterflies are very fragile if they're not handled well. Mm-hmm. And I and I believe that that's true of brands as well and people as well. Mm-hmm. But if if nurtured and handled well, they're they're beautiful and they can soar. Mm-hmm. And so we always bear that in mind when we're thinking in terms of the work that we're doing to help build and strengthen brands and and people. So that's noetic. That's beautiful. And it sounds the way you first describe it almost happens happenstance, you know, and because my name is Nancy, go to my big 
you know, probably not too dusty in your world, uh, Merriam-Webster dictionary and open it up and I, you know, there's noetic and I see the meaning and then I, uh, then I add more meaning to it. But it sounds like just perfect that it was just meant to be that, that it's, yeah, it, it's just sort of jumped off the page, honestly. Yeah. Um, Cause I, you know, I'd been thinking about it. My sister actually asked me one time because my name is spelled with an I E. So yeah. she asked me, did you just like reshuffle the letters of your name? And that's, because it's almost exactly the letter, except for the O, it's almost exactly the letters of my name. And I was like, oh, no, that's that's really interesting. I didn't do it that way, but I guess I could have. Yeah, yeah. So sometimes you just have that moment where it just strikes you and you know it's right. And the other thing you were asking me was, you know, how do we work on that impact? And that's something that is challenging in our world because we are doing services that are quite qualitative in nature. However, it's really important to have both what I like to say, the art and the science side mm-hmm. uh, of marketing. And so you do need to bring the science into what you're doing that is artful. So one of the key things on the brand side of it all that we have um, developed as a proprietary tool is something called the brand health diagnostic. And it's a benchmarking tool. And what it does is it enables an organization to measure brand strength and people's alignment and understanding and passion and all the things that go into a strong brand and to benchmark it up front and then to pulse that over time Mm -hmm. so that they have a way of seeing progress and being able to measure that and measure it, frankly, taking something qualitative and making it quantitative. Mm -hmm. On the more people side of things, you know, obviously in the coaching space, there's 360 feedback. We use DISC, which if you're familiar with that, there's, you know, there's DISC, there's strengths finders, there's all these different kinds of assessments you can use. Um, but also on the people side to help look at people's progress and their skills when we're working on training and upskilling marketers, mm-hmm. we have a tool there as well called the art and science assessment. Mm-hmm. And what that does, and that's born of the book that I wrote, it helps you look at where are you in your skill set across that range of skills that marketers Mm -hmm. need. Mm -hmm. Now, to clarify, you can be a marketing specialist, Mm -hmm. but to be in a senior role as a marketer, which is primarily the folks that, you know, are our key clients or typically, Mm -hmm. you know, director and above, you really do need to avail yourself of that full range of skill. Yeah. It doesn't mean you have to be excellent at all of it, but you need to know where you are strong, where you have your gaps and um, and either lean into those areas to strengthen and or surround yourself with a team that has some of those strengths that you may not. It sounds like you've, you've really been very purposeful in not only understanding, developing the brand and understanding the impact of it, but also in ensuring that there is alignment and ownership by the people inside the company so that it's not the noetic brand, it's company X brand. And then you focused on helping the company and the individuals understand, can they take it from here? How can they take it from here? What are the gaps in trying to create this into what it will not just be today in terms of its impact, but for the future? Yes. And it is, it is something that needs to be a drumbeat. And some organizations are ready to take that on themselves um, quicker than others and and in more ways than others. And it depends on a lot of factors. And so we really try to help them look at that. 
Noetic Consultants is a woman-owned marketing and leadership consultancy, strengthening brands and the people who build them. Noetic's work is a unique combination of market research, brand strategy, training, and coaching. Noetic educates, equips, and empowers organizations from within, leading to accelerated growth and organizational transformation. Learn more at noeticconsultants.com. And we're back. And we pride ourselves on not bringing people services they don't need. Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. let's take a tangible example. We have a, a global client that has a very talented CMO at the helm. And when she came in, she had a very minimal team in place. Mm -hmm. And we helped them do global research and stand up the brand really in a way for the globe, for them in a way that had never been done before. Mm -hmm. Now, as we were doing that work, she was building out the team. And so we were able to get that work done, and then help launch them into what we would call brand activation. So all of the ways that you're going to take that brand and infuse it throughout the organization across the globe. But then with her built out team, there were certain aspects of that activation that she was able to take in house. And then we went into, let's say the passenger seat with them into the driver's seat. So sometimes it can work that way. Sometimes, Deb, it's the flip. I've had organizations come and say, we already did a a, a brand stand up and it's not taking root. Can you help us activate? And sometimes the engagement can be just in the activation. It just really varies. And we have to be very careful about what people are equipped to do. But we do try to ultimately equip them with the tools so they can, in the long run, self-serve. As you work with different kinds of clients, so you've just given one example of why this client reached out to you or was responsive to you. We did or already did a rebrand. We invested the money. I'm not seeing any, any impact or the kind of impact I would expect. What are other reasons that clients reach out to you at the beginning? So I would say there are some really typical things that come up. So typically it would be someone who is a senior marketer. So it might be a a CMO, it might be an EVP, SVP, VP. Uh, It might be the CEO, uh, depending upon the level of sophistication they have in their marketing. And often though, not always, it may be something, someone new in a role. These days, it's often that there has been a reorg. Uh, Reorg is like the word of 2023, as far as I can, as I can tell. And so they're experiencing things due to those circumstances. So oftentimes there is on the research brand side, mm-hmm. difficulty in knowing who our priority audiences should be. Mm-hmm. Perhaps we haven't done research with them in a while. Perhaps we haven't yeah. done research with them ever. Yeah. Things have changed. We need to become more customer centric and understand and help the team become more customer centric and or our brand has a problem or our brand hasn't been stood up before. It's amazing to me sometimes some very seemingly sophisticated organizations from the outside have not done that work or did the work and it languished and it needs to be refined and and looked at again. How does that show up? It may be sales have flattened, competition Mm -hmm. is knocking at the door, you know, creeping up. Mm -hmm. 
It may be uh, internal chaos around, you know, this is how this area is expressing it. This is how that area is expressing it. There's nothing cohesive. We're killing our customers with too many messages that are saying too many things. So it shows up in a lot of different ways. On the people side, sometimes it's the straight outgrowth of the brand and the research work, but sometimes Mm -hmm. people come to us just for the people challenges. Mm -hmm. So lack of cohesion in the team. My people are working in silos. My people are not getting along. Now, again, we stay in the lane of marketing. So we're talking about, you know, a CMO perhaps who has a senior leadership team that's not being cohesive, may have actual scar tissue and things going on, or maybe just aren't coming together. Another really popular pain in that space is I am the leader of this marketing function and my people do not have the skills that they need to do the work that we need to do. And that can be a consequence of a, of a reorg or not. It can just sometimes be a big skill gap. We often see here's the leader and then the skill set, like there's this huge gap yeah. and, and up here. And I, I think it's a little bit of a sign of the times, like you need to be strategic and you need to be digitally savvy. You need the brand awareness, recognition, affinity side of things, what we could call the above the line. And you need the demand generation that happens, you know, in the trenches of the below the line channels. It can be hard for people who are newer in the marketing function to organically get the strategic side these days because they're so entrenched in digital and demand generation side. You know, it's interesting. I spoke with Brian Williamson, who's the chief storyteller for Google. Mm -hmm. And he surprised me somewhat because uh, he said, we love it when people use Google. And obviously there's a lot of paid search going on and, you know, et cetera. He goes, but the fact of the matter is I also preach, you've got to build the brand. Because he said at a certain point in time, it becomes way too expensive if you're just putting all your money in this channel without building your brand. So speak to the CEO who says, I just need to drive business. I don't want to, quote unquote, waste money on this brand thing. Speak to the importance of brand. And and even if it's in these uncertain times, I think this is always some level of uncertainty in the times. I love the question because it's harder, but not impossible, to measure the the brand aspects. So when we talk about people having brand awareness, brand affinity, uh, brand heat, brand passion, whatever you want to call those things, these are measurable things. You need to invest in measuring them. If you have less resources, you need to get very creative about how you do so. But it's as important to measure those things over time. What happens circumstantially is oftentimes organizations aren't having that focus and aren't doing that measurement. But what they are able to measure and far more easily is those in the trenches measure around how many clicks, what's coming through for me down the pipe. The problem there is that if you're only spending time and resources down in the pipe, you really don't have meaning or share of mind with the people that you are trying to be deeply meaningful with. And so you can maybe win 
on a Tuesday, but right. you're not going to win across the months and the year because yeah. people don't really care about you. They're just buying you because you are in their face at the right particular moment and you are serving an in-the-moment need. If you've ever heard someone talk passionately about their attachment to brands who do this really well, you can see that the people who have that affinity with the brands that are doing that up here brand work, they'll weather storms with you. Well, that's they'll the- remember you. They'll pick you. They won't look at other options just because they're getting served it by Google. They're going to pick you. And so if you don't have that kind of affinity, you are eroding by virtue of neglecting it. I'll give you a quick example. Back in time, we were doing a lot of work for Samsung. And this is when Samsung really for the first time had the ability to compete with Apple in the mobile phone Mm -hmm. sector. And quite frankly, at the moment, they had some Mm -hmm. features that were superior and they really wanted to compete with Apple. Their brand affinity was very low. Their brand awareness was very high. What did that mean? That meant people knew them, but they didn't like them. They didn't care about them. Mm -hmm. And a whole body of work was done to work at that and to improve their affinity. Now, you know, and I know Android users now who are loyal in that space. And while they may not be the majority and Apple still has, you know, a great hold, Samsung has a toehold that it didn't used to have. And I'm here to tell you that is because they started paying attention Mm -hmm. to brand. Yes. Yeah. And it's part of, I would think, fortifying your business. It's part of building your business and to think that the vast majority of prospects and clients, that you just need to catch them. You know, they, you just need to be paying the most to be on the top. And so you're sort of catching them versus courting them versus building that authentic relationship and being there for them in good times and bad and constantly, and you use Apple, I I feel like, and, and I'm not sure if it's in a good way or not, but I constantly can feel Apple fortifying its relationship with me, (laughs) giving me more reason. And and listen, sometimes to a fault, it's not to say like no brand gets it right all the time because brands are driven by humans and the humans don't get it right all the time. However, you also get credit for effort too. So a brand that, you know, is trying hard. I mean, people are so savvy today. They understand and, and they're watching and they're absorbing, even if it's not top of mind, you know, it's there. So, so share of mind is super important. And I just think that it's always going to be more difficult to get organizations to, to think about and invest in that space, unless it's their Mm -hmm. heritage to do so Mm -hmm. um, because it's not proximate. These Mm -hmm. are slow burn measures that take time. Mm -hmm. The other channels are very proximate and easy to measure on a day by day basis. Yeah. So it's fascinating to me because as I think of your story, which certainly goes back before you started your, your company, but even before then, you're really grounded in service. You talk about you were in biz, business development, client service in your 
a corporate role prior to starting your own company. You built your company to be of service to employees as well as clients. And in fact, the, the products and services that you have built are really about helping a company fortify its brand for its long-term impact in the world and for its profitability. Am I getting that right? That you're, yeah, you're that's really the idea. Yes. Yes. And I do think that the roots always matter. And in my particular case, you know, the training that I got at Leo Burnett was just gold standard. I mean, they just did such a beautiful job of helping us understand the power of brand, the power of story, the power of ideas, the power of creativity, and on the client service side, how to really listen to what, uh, as they would say, what does the client want and then what does the client need? And sometimes what is needed is, is different than what the client's able to articulate. And so I very much see it as our role to help uncover that. So it's not just, you know, oh, we need this. Because sometimes clients come and it, it's a very particular thing and we have to help them expand the aperture to say, well, maybe a precursor to that problem that you're experiencing. Let's try to go to root cause so that we're really solving for what you you need to solve for. I remember the first time I was in a meeting at Leo Burnett and I'm very young and I'm probably two weeks on the job and I'm on a conference call because that's what we did back then. And I'm with this woman who's more senior and we're speaking to the client. And I mean, I'm not speaking. She's speaking to the client. I'm note taking. And she was so forthright about this, you know, what they needed versus what they were asking. And it was quite animated, not in the least rude or disrespectful, but very animated around, I hear what you're saying and I hear that it's about A, but I think we also need to care for B and here's why. And I remember thinking, wow, like it's such the opposite of order taking, it's very much about being a strategic partner and a strategic partner would be remiss not to speak to you about the things that they see. And over the years, I've always tried to bear that in mind, including some, you know, sometimes difficult conversations where you have to say, listen, I, I really need to talk to you about this and I'm worried about this for you and, and let's dig into it. For good or for bad, you remind me of two uh, quotes from my mother. And she, she used to always say, you know, God gave you two ears and one mouth, use them in direct proportion. So there's obviously a lot of listening going on in your business. And the second thing she would always say to me was, Deborah, God gave you a voice, use it. And yeah. so that's the, the balancing act, you know, in, in what you're yes. describing. Yeah. 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 So I think I would have liked your mother. You very much would have. And, and it's amazing what we take through our life. And, you know, yes. you, what you learned from the woman at Leo Burnett, what you observed, what you took in, what you remember to this day, there's probably a thousand stories from being with Leo Burnett, but that's the one you told today. You are that person for your clients and you are that person to really inspire and demonstrate and lead your team you know, as to how to most effectively hope so. interact with the client. I hope so. Yeah. I do try. And your humility causes you to say, I hope so. And I do try, but it really is fantastic speaking with you here today. Very inspiring. 
I think that in these times, and I would say any time, but we're in these times, so why not say in these times, it is the right time for companies to look about and check in on the brand, fortify the brand. So we're going to make sure that the ways to reach you, as well as perhaps some information about your book, um, that sounds pretty interesting. We're not really getting to that today, but uh, appreciate your lifetime of, of client and human service uh, and for you. sharing the story of, of building your brand today. Thank you so much, Nancy. Yes. Thank you so much. And I do. I encourage everyone to just, just have a good think about your brand and your personal brand too. You know, how you're putting yourself out there authentically in the world. It's really all we have. And you can lift other people up with your brand, be it your organization brand or your personal brand. And why not do so, right? Yeah. The world needs it. What a perfect end note to this episode of Success Beneath the Surface. Thank you so much, Nancy. Thank you, Doug. Appreciate the time. CEOs need help growing their companies, but don't always have the time or money to hire a full-time chief marketing officer, CMO, or chief sales officer, CSO, or both. Recruiting a quality full-time executive can take months, not to mention the ongoing cost. In these challenging times, CEOs need battle-tested growth executives who can help companies successfully navigate the uncertain waters. Partner with chief outsider CMOs and CSOs who will function as strategic operators to build and execute your growth engines.